We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up and welcome into, I guess this is an emergency episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. Uh, it's myself and Andrew Spade here on um, January 17th. We're talking through the Browns' decisions uh, with their offensive coaching staff, which if you have followed this podcast throughout the year, something we have been asking for, uh, Andrew, but I think as the information hit this morning, I don't know if I had like put it out of my mind that they would be doing this. Uh, because they sort of slopped together the end of the year and made a pretty functional offense throughout the the Flacco era. Maybe that just numbed me to the fact that they would do this. But this, the timing makes sense because this is this is the time that coaches are free, right? Coaches from fired locations are free to talk to. Coaches that are, um, you know, even still alive, you can you can get uh, interview requests to um, you know, have conversations with those guys. Long story short, I don't know why I thought this might come later because it needs to happen now. And it did happen now, uh, and I didn't expect it, and we're going to talk through it. So I welcome you in first, Andrew. What's up? Yeah, it's uh, early morning news too, Jake. I think we, we really got a sense of who starts the day at what time in, in the Browns media world um, as the morning unfolded because uh, I tend to be a little bit of a later riser uh, with my schedule. And so – uh, woke up to a lot of this stuff already well underway, and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a. I think you said it really well. the The hiring cycle is in full swing. The Browns were in the playoffs, so there's a, obviously a week delay there. Uh, if you look around the league, uh, by my count, with the uh, the Saints moving on from Pete Carmichael this week, I, I count one, two, three, seven play calling openings across the league, and so. Some of those are obviously tied to head coach openings. A few of them aren't, right? Um, and the ones that aren't then are going – actually, I think it's it's Mike Tomlin, it's the Steelers, and then it's the Saints that aren't tied to head coach openings. So those teams are already in the pool, right? The Steelers were eliminated. Yeah. They're going to be having interviews. The Saints are making a change. So that that stuff is all picking up, so the Browns had to jump in. And uh, I think it's – you know, to me, the, the first question is – how surprised are you that they made a move to move on from a guy who has been with Stefanski for all four years and Alex Van Pelt? 
Well, I want to say real quick, Pete Carmichael, you brought that up because I just remember looking at his name back in like different various hiring cycles, 2019 and 2020. Is this the all-time coaching jackpot? You're you're with the Saints as the quarterback's coach starting in 06, and then you're with them all the way until just now. Like 15 years in the same location. Is that is that the ultimate thing for an assistant? I got to imagine keeping your family in one spot yeah. for that long. Yeah, if his uh, kids, if yeah, if his kids were five or six years old when he got that job, they they graduated high school and <laughs> maybe even got through Tulane before uh, they had to move. So yeah, no, I mean, it's job security that you don't find in the NFL anymore. And uh, I, I mean, Dennis Allen has a little bit of that as well in terms of the 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 uh, results haven't been there for the Saints, and uh, yet he's still trucking. So yeah, you get a glimpse into what time I wake up 6am sitting there doing what people do when they get up after 6am uh, that early in the morning, you can do the math scrolling through. And uh, like you said uh, earlier, Andrew, it's, you get a glimpse into what time everybody wakes up. I, I'm like, all right, I got to go write this up. Got to wrap up this endeavor I'm in the, in the middle of, and then go write this up because this is pretty big news. Again, to me, my reaction was, this is great because I need the Browns to sort of refresh their thought process around offense. Not that they didn't get every single ounce out of what I thought they had by the end of the year, but you and I have been pretty vocal on, on like ways in which they could push easy buttons more often, just going about it in a different manner. And, and again, it's not like you sit here and you talk about the offense, which was doing finding explosives, creating big plays by the end of the year. So complaining about it is, is strange, but I don't think you can watch the offense be stagnant with motion have a really broken run system by the end of the year and be unable to do a lot of things that you need them to do and not talk about getting fresh perspective. We've been doing this since back when they hired Musgrave. I was like, this is something that makes a lot of sense. So my immediate reaction was I'm excited about the uh, opportunity here, even though hiring an offensive coordinator because of Kevin Stefanski's role is different than hiring a defensive coordinator. We talked about it last year, Andrew, when they hired, uh, obviously when they, decided to bring in Schwartz that this is like the uh, CEO of the defense. This is maybe not the CEO of the offense, but when you look through this, it it has a chance to still be equally as impactful in my opinion. Would you agree with that or not? I do agree with that. I think the, the big takeaway here is something that you're right. The Flacco experience kind of moved off the front burner, but prior to that game in well, really the, the Jacksonville game, because the Los Angeles game was pretty up and down. There there was a conversation, a very compelling conversation to be had about the Browns offense not being good. Even season long with the bump that they got from Flacco down the stretch, their numbers are not great. Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons, right? Injuries are obviously a factor. Inconsistency at the quarterback position can torpedo any team's offensive season. But it doesn't mean that the offense was good, right? And so there, there is a part of it th- th- that you just you want to look under the hood a little bit more. I don't think. I guess my point is, I don't think you can just kind of default to there are excuses, therefore everything is fine. And obviously, this move today by the Browns tells me that they're on the same page in terms of, despite all of the reasons why the offense underachieved, it's still underachieved. And we feel like there are things that we left out there that we want to rectify for next year need to rectify because of where they are in their competition window. 
So let's trace it. Let's trace it back a little bit. Obviously, I couldn't agree more with that. And and again, if a lot of these guys aren't getting poached, we saw one guy. We talked about this Kevin Stefanski coaching tree. We've seen Petzing go off and do something, but he didn't even get a chance to be the OC here. So like, there hasn't been much movement in this regard. And if your guys that work directly under you and you're doing, I think Kevin's done some pretty nice things at the NFL level. If they're not getting poached, it does tell a, a minor story, right? Um, that, that they could, because if the, if somebody offered Alex Van Pelt in years past, the opportunity to be an OC play caller, he could have taken that promotion. The Browns could not have blocked it. So I think that like, there's pretty good evidence here that for, for many reasons, uh, we don't need to dive into all of them, but that the, there's some stagnation that these guys were not maybe viewed league wide as well as some people close to the team or fans of the team think. That's kind of where I'm going to leave it at. And there's uh, a desire, uh, obviously, to to get better and, and look at things differently. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But what happened this morning is that we get from Jusina Anderson, not only is Van Pelt uh, being let go uh, after, after long discussions, they're also going to let go of um, uh, T.C. McCartney, the tight ends coach. And they're also letting go of Stump Mitchell, the running backs coach. So I, I think you want to be delicate with this. Stump Mitchell's the run game coordinator on top of his role as running backs coach. He has a ton of league wide respect. I think his players really love him, but he also was sort of leading a run game by label. I think Callahan's pretty involved in that too. Leading a group by label here that was underperforming. And and I don't mean again, I think Stump's done some great things in the NFL. I think you and I could coach Nick Chubb and he'd be just fine. I just, I want to be clear about that. I think Nick is that special. He'd be just fine. So I think that probably this is again total conjecture. And 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 a lot of times the stuff with position coaches is conjecture because we don't know with, with like truly what they're tasked to do. We don't always have a great feel for that or what the interpersonal relationships are between them. I do have on pretty good authority, Andrew, that Stump Mitchell is a direct connection to Justina Anderson. So some of the stuff that was coming out is, you know, you do the math. Okay. Yeah. Do the well, math. Go ahead. And I think it 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 also reflects on how the news was re- received around the fan base this morning. There was a lot of frustration, more yes. than I was expecting. And I think that that speaks to the specific way that she worded her tweet in terms of players being upset. Yes. Which right. is understandable, as you said. He's obviously a beloved coach. I think that guys probably liked working with AVP too. I I know Aaron Rodgers still talks about him in glowing terms, and they haven't worked together for a few years now. So there's there's no doubt that players are upset it's it's the same thing as any other job where somebody you like working with moves on you're going to be bummed about it especially if it's not at their behest yeah but i think that did kind of color the the perception of these moves because i think a lot of people saw the need for things to change but one of the things that i think is strange jake is how all of the blame always gets dropped only at the feet of kevin stefanski but the credit always kind of gets spread around the entire coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. I, I know that's ultimately how it works when you're the head coach, but it is a sort of a weird tick that I, I think it was very easy for me to see that a lot of the offensive staleness in some areas this year, especially in the run game, could be traced to other play, other members of the coaching staff rather than just Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. It, 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 he cannot sim- single-handedly build a game plan on a weekly basis while also being the head coach. It's not realistic. 
Yeah, and, and if you're not getting provided answers, if you're sitting there frustrated, you need fresh perspective. This makes sense. It's nothing against Stump Mitchell. Again, he's done great things. We wish him well. But he's in his mid-60s. There is probably a desire to have an out-of-the-box run thinker, no pun intended there, uh, run game uh, thought process, you know, just different. Just We need to go about it in a different way. I think there were some people who complained about the running back rotation over the years of who's in the backfield and why are they in the backfield at this time. That is directly tied to the running backs coach. Okay. And, and I, I think that it's also noteworthy that the first time that the Browns had maybe um, average to below average talent at the position, I don't think they got better as the year wore on. I really don't. So again, I think stump has done great things. And I, I, I mean, you really do hope he lands on his feet and finds another job and does well. And I think he will, but I don't think this needs the panic that I've seen some people panicking about over this decision. I think they'll be fine. They'll be running back coach opportunities. Now, as we are talking here, Deuce Staley uh, is in town. Um, he's the Panthers assistant head coach, running backs coach. I don't know if that's tied to a promotion, Andrew. If he's listed as the assistant head coach, he's maybe in town talking about the opportunity to be a, a an offensive coordinator without calling plays under Kevin because we're going to go. We got to talk about that whole thing in a minute, but like they're going to move quickly. They're going to make some decisions fast and they're going to be fine. They're going to find an adequate running backs coach. It's going to happen. So um, again, going, going back a little bit here though, uh, it was just a weird morning though, kind of putting a cap on how it all came out because after Josina had tweeted that stuff, we got information out there that I think Ian Rappaport put it out that it was um, Stump Mitchell was fired and TC McCartney's contract wasn't renewed, but there was no decision quite made on whether to retain Van Pelt. He was still under contract and there was still some um, decision to be made. And that was directly contradictory to Justina Anderson, who got bothered by that because they, they, she felt like her stuff was under um, scrutiny. She actually went on 92.3 this morning. And then I hate this whole insider stuff. It's whatever it ultimately came out. Jake Trotter did a good job of tracking down and quite obviously talking to Alex Van Pelt. What if I just called him on the phone? That'd be great. Maybe I could call that guy. He'll answer and, and we'll get to the bottom of it right away. And, and, and again, so he did, he did talk, uh, to, to Van Pelt who confirmed that, uh, he would not be, uh, retained in Cleveland. So he said, he tells, he, he had two very important tweets, one earlier in the day and then one in the, in the late afternoon here, he's out as the offensive coordinator. He said, it's a direct quote from Alex Van Pelt onto the next one. Proud of my time there. Um, he'd been there since 2020, obviously Kevin hired him right away. And then the more important tweet that came out, which is tied to the reasoning, right? The reasoning is the important thing. It sounds like from what Trotter said to clarify, because he was on Cleveland Browns daily. I think you, you told me Andrew and kind of had sort of hinted at this. I'm sure he was tracking down from the Brown side, whether this was true or not, but he said the Browns discussed a reassignment of roles with Van Pelt on the coaching staff, but ultimately the two sides opted to part ways. That probably means going back to a quarterback coach role, which is something that he has done for the majority of his career. He had one opportunity in 2009 in a, in a situation where the offensive coordinator left right before the season. He took that role, never was a coordinator again, was quarterback coaching. You talked about with Aaron Rodgers, and I think he was with the Bengals for a little bit, and then takes the OC job in Cleveland, although not calling plays. Long story short with Van Pelt, he seems like a guy a lot of people love, but he's got a very good old boy vibe about him, and it doesn't seem like any organization has trusted him to truly direct an offense. And he has had plenty of opportunities, both because Brown's offenses have been good 
and he could get an upgrade to call plays for somebody to hire him. And nobody did. And that's pretty telling. So he was unwilling. It's clear that they, they just ran their course here because it's not like Van Pelt is going to get a job calling. I mean, it's possible, but it's not likely he's going to get that job this offseason. So he's going to take a demotion somewhere if he goes to be a quarterback coach. And he didn't want to do that here. So that tells you he thought maybe he deserved more here and decided to leave because he wants to chase that. And ultimately, who knows if that arrives. But I think it's uh, it's an important note. I We have to think it's quarterback. Could be some other role. I don't know what that, and we can't say definitively he was offered quarterback. Could Hell, he could have been offered anything. But we most likely think it was tied to him taking back just the quarterback role, and then they would bring in a different offensive coordinator. But that's an important thing to note. Yeah, and he's a great quarterbacks coach. I think the reason he is the Browns' offensive coordinator is because he was the Bengals' uh, quarterbacks coach, and they had to give him a promotion essentially. So you're going to have a non-play calling offensive coordinator under Kevin Stefanski. That makes sense in terms of you give the guy the promotion. He is involved. Obviously, we all know he's involved, but he's not running the offense. Kevin Stefanski is running the offense. I think. One of the things that becomes clear to me, as I said before from this, I, I think it's clear that that Stefanski understands he needs more ideas in the room and he needs more juice in the room in terms of not guys to kind of toe the line for him, but independent thinkers that can join him in a collaborative effort to make the team more explosive and more multiple. And I think that's the that's the direction this goes to me. That's what I take away from this. Because if if you only want to maybe just get one set of ideas in the room, quarterbacks coach is open, right? They they could they could move on from Stump, move on from TC McCartney, hire a quarterbacks coach, get three three new guys in without really changing this. But the fact that you move on from an offensive coordinator level, that means you need that title available to bring somebody in who can who can be a little bit of a heavy hitter. So the the big question obviously that this begs Jake is how willing is Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling? Does he yeah. does he want to give up play calling? I don't think probably that he does, but I also think he's probably more likely to want to do that now than at any time in his tenure so far. Don't you agree? I I have to think yes, um largely because he can get somebody else to work with Watson specifically and be tied to that. Again, we're not taught. They don't do this stuff, job preservation stuff. I don't think Kevin's going about it this way. I genuinely think he's probably open-minded to either route. He will bring in people who could call plays independent of him and the big names, the Zach Robinson's those likes, right? Um, I, I, some of the others, uh, Shane Waldron, we'll talk about names here in a minute are going to want to call plays. They're not coming for here. sure to just be a, an offensive coordinator and, you know, handle practice game plans and be in charge of a couple aspects. They want to call plays. So the, the, the thing that is the most interesting to me is walking this fine line of, we want fresh perspective. We want innovative minds, but we also know that we are hiring somebody that wouldn't be calling plays and that limits our candidacy pool significantly. So I, that, that the question you asked is the single biggest question do we think he gives up play calling? He's never hinted at wanting to do that. He's always said, I think it's best for the team if I'm calling plays. I have to think he's willing to do that more than ever, like you're saying, Andrew, because if they get the right mind, he might think it's a good time for somebody else 
to to specifically work with Deshaun and give Deshaun fresh perspective too, while he gets to be more of a an effective CEO, right? And that yep. and again, that's what guys you're talking about Brian Callahan, who's worked directly with Zach Taylor and has at times called plays. Like there's give and take there. Brian Callahan gets a second opportunity to go interview in Tennessee. He's probably going to get a job somewhere. So I think Which, that like by the way, ahead. means yeah. that his dad, Bill Callahan, is probably also leaving the staff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. 
Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It will be very interesting to see if he wants to go with his son. And I think the Browns would probably do right by him and allow him to do that. But sometimes... You know, there's some of those things like they don't want that. They don't want to tie that nepotism thing. Like they, it can get a little strong. I've seen that go both directions. It does cut point. both ways. You're right. So You're I, right. It, but I would presume if he is hired to want to have his dad, I mean, why would you not want to have your dad? Yeah, he's, of course. I, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a dream. I, I, so my point in bringing that up, Jake, is we've, we announced what's come out, out today or the Browns, the Browns haven't announced it, but we're, we're talking about the news that broke today. I don't think because there are some names on the offense, really primarily Callahan and Chad O'Shea, yeah. that weren't involved today. To me, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, safe or on this coaching staff at the beginning of next year. I think that stuff is still going to play out. I mean, Chad O'Shea has gotten OC interviews in the past. He he was an OC with Miami uh, a while ago. Bill Callahan, as we mentioned, probably only leaves to go work with his son, but that seems like a pretty good possibility given that he's got a second interview in Tennessee. So I I'm, I'm sidetracking us a little bit, but I do think it's important people, a lot of people asking today, why wouldn't they move on from Chad O'Shea? I don't think that they've finished this whole process. And I think that if they are truly targeting a uh, league leading offensive coordinator, a guy that is going to come in here and call plays and really own the offense to a certain extent, then if that guy has a different, wide receivers coach in mind that sorts itself out it could and I, I also know that i think from some people i've talked to i'm probably a little too low on o'shea there's some game plan elements that they like from him some of some of the red zone stuff they like that he put together but ultimately you're right they could be in the middle of a lot of these things right evaluating the offensive side before they might not even be to the defense yet who knows yeah this is this is potentially not the only thing that comes out about this group but it's going to be fast that's the thing I do know. It's going to be fast because you're talking about interviews are going to start popping up everywhere. We saw and talked about Deuce Daly just a second ago, and we're going to talk about a list. But like, for example, the Bengals are dealing with this. We we're talking about Callahan getting his second interview. The Saints just put in a request to interview their quarterbacks coach, Dan Pitcher, who if you listen to Bengals folks talk, Pitcher's always been the guy that everybody's been pretty uh, confident would take Callahan's role. But these guys are going to get hired. Uh, away from you unless you unless the timing works out pretty quickly so I think that the Browns uh, were pretty hasty with their decision on Schwartz last year I would imagine this moves pretty fast in the next five to seven days to have the answer for who it's going to be they had to have I mean you're already bringing in Staley the day of the news breaking you you had to have some plans in place here and, and wheels turning I think that's a great point, Jake. And I think last year when they got into the defensive coordinator market, it was a good year for it because they mm-hmm. were able to interview uh, Brian Flores, who had a great year in Minnesota. They were able to – I don't know if they actually – did they interview Mayo? But they were going to, and then he got the the deal with the Patriots yeah. and obviously is now their head coach. Yeah, there was the buzz there that he was going to interview, and then it was like he walked away from it. And then from what we understand, because the Patriots didn't – interview any other candidates that they put a per like a what do you call that it was a, a legit uh, succession plan succession yeah. plan in place to get that done right on so yeah that that was a unique one yeah and then sean desai got the job in philadelphia the guys they interviewed last year all 
ended up places and I ended up with, so I, I kind of feel like it's the same sort of situation this year in terms of there are a lot of names. When I was trying to compile a list today, just looking at, thinking about this, it felt to me like there aren't a lot of people available, but then I started putting it together. And if you just look at guys who were running offenses this past year, it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty interesting list, Jake. So you've got the the names, you already mentioned Shane Waldron. He was running the offense in Seattle, obviously all, you know, not on his own, but Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, right? So he's, he's running that show. Yep. Uh, the other name that's, that is up there for me is Ken Dorsey, obviously was running things in Buffalo and then got fired mid season, but it's not as if the uh, Bill's offense was bad prior to him getting canned. That was about other things. And then the other name that is a, I think a, uh, has been a well, really well thought of name for a while is Kellen Moore is part of the Chargers situation. Yep. I imagine he's allowed to be taking interviews. I, I'm not saying that these are any of the guys that they're going to end up with, but I am trying to paint the picture. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is out in Washington. I know that he's a divisive candidate, but he has a, a long history with Deshaun Watson in terms of mutual respect and regard. And Watson was very upset when Bieniemy didn't get a chance to interview for the Texans head coaching job back in 2020. That's a, part of what precipitated him leaving Houston. Uh, Thomas Brown was the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. So these these are all these are all staffs that have moved on from these coaches because either the head coach got fired or the the you know obviously Ken Dorsey got fired. But these are big names. These are not quarterbacks coaches who need a shot or something like that. These yeah. are guys that have run NFL offenses successfully recently. And so my point is comparing it to last year with the defensive coordinator thing, I think is really important. Because we saw also with Bubba Ventrone, they found a guy on the market that they said, this is a clear upgrade. We're making a move to go get this guy. And that's where we wrap back around mm -hmm. to the play calling angle. Because as you said, if you want one of these guys who are at the top of the profession or certainly in the in the discussion, you, that's that's where that flexibility has to come in to allow that move to happen. Yeah, and there are other guys to kind of... Um... In the, in the quarterback coaching realm who seem the most plausible, right? So if, you, if you're talking through some of those guys, it's it's tricky though, because again, everything kind of hinges on if he's going to call plays or not. That That is the, that is the thing we have to figure out because like a, you know, like a Cam Turner in Indy would be extremely interesting, their quarterback coach, because he's connected to Stike and he's got a lot of that stuff down. He's coached the quarterbacks up, how he coaches them up, very connected, understanding. Um, but but again, is he willing to take a job where he's not specifically calling plays? I don't I don't know. There's um probably what you sent a list over, Andrew. I mean, what, like 40, 30, 40 names here. Um, it's tricky. We don't like to really necessarily go too far in the weeds on figuring out who they're gonna interview and just spend more time on who they do and talk through who they actually spend time with. So we're not wasting your time, but we put out a list at the OBR that is a pretty lengthy grouping of names. Uh, again, it'll take some like digging in and in, in, in like listening to these guys in interviews and uh, sort of, you know, peeling apart the results from the positions that they've been in before we can really give you a great answer. I mean, you can't speak definitively on this stuff. There are people trying to already do that. And I don't think you can do that, right? You can't, 
You no. can't tell people who to hire and who not to hire. They got to interview them. They got to talk through them. And you got to look at the connections to the team. And we don't want to sit here and tell you these four people make the most sense over anybody else because that's just a bunch of bullshit right now. We don't want to do that. It's just a very open search. And the only thing we know about the search is they're going to hire four coaches is, is going to be my guess mm-hmm. because AVP, like you mentioned earlier, Andrew opens up two roles. I think it'd be wise to do that for perspective purposes. There's also a chance that some guys leave and you get a senior assistant in here. There's a lot of different moving parts there. Um, and uh, I just know that I'm I'm excited to see which routes they go. I mean, we didn't really mention TC McCartney much. I, I'm I think tight end tight end coaches are you can find them in a lot of places. I'm not really worried about that one all too much. I think well, Dave has had a great close to the year, but I think the early parts of the yeah. year, we would all agree Dave was a little inconsistent. So I don't think that there needs to be some rush to panic over a tight end coach either. They'll find somebody. I think they'll be okay. And, and that's a position that's always or often a developmental position because it's three, four guys. It's not a big room. And so you can hand that to somebody that you're grooming for a larger role. Drew Petzing started out, I think, as the tight ends coach here. So you can you can get people's feet wet with running a room themselves. You know, Callie Brownson has moved from being a kind of chief of staff type role to being the assistant wide receivers coach. I could see uh, her or um, uh, the other the other guy whose name I'm Ashton Grant. I think is also one of their uh, offensive quality control guys. Somebody like that moving into a role internally to the tight ends coach makes sense to me. I think you mentioned the quarterbacks coach to me. It's it's the offensive coordinator is, is with a bullet obviously, but then that quarterbacks coach hire is also going to matter for this team. And I think the fact that Deuce Staley is already in, in Cleveland tells you that they have a, a real desire to see something more out of the running backs coach because they, yeah. I, I think it's pretty obvious that the only one of those guys that didn't get, that got fired today was stump Mitchell, I, I, you know, in terms of, how how it was reported so and again not trying to say anything negative about stump i think he's a great coach but i think they want something different and i think they're gonna find it so going back to the offensive coordinator thing what i would say in terms of the names i think there's you kind of almost have to see this as two lists they're going to talk to some guys that would want to call plays they're going to talk to some guys who probably wouldn't need that to come here how you feel about the hire is going to depend on whether or not the guy is coming to call plays, right? Because there are some lesser names that if they got all of that responsibility, you'd be a little concerned, right? And then there are some big names where you'd say, maybe I would prefer that Kevin keep calling plays, right? Like I've seen a few people today mention Bill O'Brien's name. I don't want him anywhere near the Browns offense like in a, in a play calling capacity, really in any capacity, frankly. So, yeah. Uh, but then there are also people who don't want to see the enemy and, and they're very yeah, anti it's, it's going to be super opinionated, super opinionated. I, I just, I, I, yeah, the, 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 Andrew, what we can agree on is the next domino to fall is to figure out whether Kevin's going to hire somebody to call plays or not. That's the, that's the only thing. I don't even know if we'll get that answer through like interviews either. I don't, I really don't, I really don't. And I think that, that's going to be the thing that's the most frustrating for us trying to figure like some breadcrumbs out for you guys is we don't know that desire. And I don't think we'll, you know, I don't know if Kevin's scheduled to meet with the media as like a close the season thing soon or anything. Just but the day after stuff, I think is all he's on the books for burial talk, yeah. but he'll probably, he won't say anything. So It'll be a lot of deflecting until they make it. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, I think the, the decision is going to be what we learned from who they hire is what's going to tell us 
that'll give us a picture behind the scenes. Because if it's a young up and coming guy who's not calling plays, then it's about diversity of thought in the room. If it is Kevin stepping aside in that particular capacity, then it's a little bit more of a foundational change in terms of his role within the team. And I just, I think it's worth also mentioning here, Jake. 2023 was a a big year for Kevin in terms of proving that he could do the head coach buy-in leadership part because that was a big problem in 21 and, uh, uh, you know, 22 was kind of doomed no matter what, because your starting quarterback is suspended for 11 games, but yeah, but 21 for sure. Kevin has to own that in terms of Odell Beckham quitting the team midseason, in my yep. opinion, 23 went a long way towards uh, relieving me or uh, assuring me, reassuring me that he can do the leadership part of this job. And he might now feel having done that and succeeded in that way, that that is more valuable and more important to him than he thought when he took this job four years ago. Could have been, could have been very enlightening for him that he thinks he can step away from that and still do a really good job. I I mean, moral of the story of what we're talking about is, yeah, they're making some changes and that's uh, something that we have been asking for. But the real sort of franchise shifting thing would be, if Kevin gives up calling plays, that's the thing we're going to learn. That's the most important because if he doesn't give up calling plays again, then he's probably going to be doing this into perpetuity. Like he'll have had a chance, a lot of good names out there to go after. If he doesn't give it up here, he's just going to do it. And they're going to hire some OC that you're probably going to be underwhelmed with because it'll be a guy you haven't heard of or know that much about. But uh, I think the thing that's exciting for me is to figure out, the result you know like i know a lot of people want the answer and the build-up um and we can go over some names in the in the coming coming few days here and talk a little bit more in depth about them once we hear like we'll talk more about deuce staley tomorrow and some other things like we'll go through those things a bit more in depth but uh i I think that what i want to do how i want to handle is less predictive and more reactive and i think that reactive stuff will be just fine because i would imagine the news is going to be trickling in pretty quickly for who they're going to be interviewing and stuff. But again, the most important thing to come out of this is what is Kevin's future with the team? Because I, I don't mind either direction. I really don't. I, I don't, I don't know that I've felt that way for a while because I think uh, Kevin has a chance here to really hire somebody to take that burden off of him while also giving him a chance to oversee it and really provide good insight and, you know, be a CEO type, right? Yeah. I think opportunity is the right way to say this. This is not a referendum on him as an offensive play caller. This is not, saying he can't do it. We, I think we both feel really comfortable with his ability to do it, but we have also at times felt a little bit nervous because things can be at times, the Browns can be a little bit, at times, predictable. At times, they can be a little bit more static than you'd like to see. They have not been as innovative as we thought they would be switching to a, an offense that would be more friendly to Deshaun Watson. So those sorts of conservativeness pieces are going to be alleviated, I think, by this, I feel like either way, right? I think the fact that they went this direction tells me that they recognize this as a weak spot for them. And now it's a question, to your point, Jake, of how far they go. How much buy-in do they want? And again, it does ultimately come down to who they decide is the right person. And they very well might already have a name in mind. Last thing to add to that, if you recall, what they did defensively is they wanted to bring in somebody who was very... Uh, fitting to what they had exactly that, that, that there wasn't a bunch of change for the defense in terms of a four four three base 
Um, and some of the, now the, the coverage stuff changed, but for the most part, the obvious thing was they wanted to keep some cohesion in terms of personnel fit. I will be very interested to see how far they zig with the offense. You know, I don't know how disappointed somebody would be if they hired Clint Kubiak, right? As like a guy who's known Kevin and comes from San Francisco, or if they go get Zach Robinson because he's with, you know, LA and the different varying motion types that they do. I don't know what's a disappointment and what's not. We'll kind of work through that, but I think it's important to remember what they did defensively and to see how far uh, away from that or, or similar to that they are with the offense, because that was a very big talking point for them upon hiring Schwartz was the familiarity with a general four, three structure and stuff like that, that they wanted to keep in place. So, I mean, I would imagine based on that data, we'd have to go with, they're going to try to do some of that with the offense here, but you know, I don't, I don't know. The interviews are going to come in quick. The saints also just put an interview request with Zach Robinson. Like it's going to, it's going to happen all very fast. So interesting to see how it shakes out. You did a really good job, Jake, of picking the one name out that I would be pretty disappointed. (laughs) Nailed it. Yeah. I mean, Clint Kubiak is, you know, to me, he's not offensive coordinator material. If he's the quarterback's coach, it's a different story, but Mm -hmm. As as the main, as the second voice in the room, so to speak, with Kevin, that would be very underwhelming and would, would be one of the few ways that they could convince me that I'm wrong about this and that they're planning to pretty much kind of run things back with a slight shuffling of the of the cast. I So that's... You can't that, get more Kubiak than bringing in a Kubiak. Yeah, it's really as into Kubiak as it gets. I, I, I would hope that part of what this season has helped Kevin understand is that there's more to life than the Kubiak offense has to, has to do it right. Evolve yeah. or die. The theory is yeah. in place and this offense needs to evolve um, in, in some very uh, particular ways that we've laid out. Right. For sure. It's, it's an imperative. The we're not going to predict what they're going to do, Jake, because we're, as you said, we're going to find out soon enough, but I, I do think it's would be, I, at least I'm curious to know, if you were the one making the decision, if there's a way you're leaning right now. I mean, you know me, I'm leaning as far away from what Kevin has traditionally done. I I think you can have what Kevin's traditionally done and then bring in somebody either from the uh, McVeigh type of tree, right? Where you, where you have a a real thorough understanding of like meaningful purpose-based motion and what it can do to a defense, because adding that element into Kevin's offense is probably one of the more simple ways to get your offense to a more modern era, right? Because they do a lot of the same staples between those offenses, but the other, the other group of guys, less Shanahan, more McVay and, 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 um, and, and Mike McDaniel are doing And Shanahan's good with motion too. I don't want to act like he's not, they just have a better understanding. It's like, um, you know, it's like a painting with elements missing. The Browns are working on the same painting, but they don't have those other elements that make it look nicer or draw attention to certain parts of the painting, stuff like that. I think that to me is a very simple way to spice up your offense. But I am also understanding that maybe going the route of what they saw from Shane Steichen when they played him, I could see them sitting back having gotten their, you know, sorry, language here, but getting their ass kicked for the first time being like, how do we get more of that? How you know when they're watching the film of the Texans game? How do we get more of what they're doing in Indy? How they ran for a buck eighty-eight on these guys? How do we get a little bit more of that into our structure? And I could see them leaning into that because that ties into what he was doing with RPOs when they killed the Browns. And it's like you have a quarterback here who can do that stuff. So to me, there's the lean towards what Steichen has done 
which I think is unique and can be good for the quarterback in place here, or they can go the route of guys who have worked successfully and can implement what they've done in LA in places like that into the offense here. And it's like a very quick patch job. Like they, they can keep that running seamlessly. So um, those are the two angles for the offense. I think they can go. I don't see them hiring somebody outside of that realm. I just don't, I, I really don't because I don't know what other angle you would prefer to go. I, re- I really don't. Yeah. I, that's why I think Shane Waldron is the, is the top name because it's a guy that was with Sean McVay was the quarterback's coach for the Rams got hired by the Seahawks two years ago. His quarterback's coach, Dave Canales, is now the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, and I think we've seen how beneficial that's been to Mayfield. Yeah. To me, that's that's Waldron is a is a name that he if Pete Carroll didn't leave, he's not getting fired. He maybe even is not allowed to interview yet. But I think if you're looking at the list of names that are available, if there's one that kind of jumps out to you as a guy who's already done it at a really high level, and I think you made a great point about merging what he does with what Stefanski does really successfully that sort of fusion is what the Browns need and and I I really think could put them into it back into the discussion in the top 10 offenses in the league it's not it's not that far off if they can can go and attack a couple free agents of uh of importance get some some uh these layers added to the offense I think it can be a group that really improves in a similar manner because again the Browns finished down near the 25 area of EPA on the year that that could be a group that could jump into the top 10 if they get the quarterback healthy and start adding in some of the elements that make life really hard on defenses it's very possible to see a similar defense turnaround we saw last year with the offense this year so that part of it excites me and plus it's my side of the ball we get to break it down and have a lot of data and a lot of film and talk through it and um, you know, you never want to see coaches fired or, or, or let go, but this is the part of the business. And, and I think it's, it's probably the most fitting time the Browns have had to make this sort of decision, uh, come to pass. So, uh, we will break it all down for you here at the OBR and the OBR film breakdown podcast, talk you through everything. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, probably with a quick mailbag, uh, in the morning for you. We'll drop that podcast in the morning, uh, and then, and then continue into the weekend. We'll have some stuff based on, cause I'm sure we're going to hear more and more about, who these guys are going to be interviewing and we'll be breaking all of that down. So for Andrew, myself, thanks for stopping by guys. We appreciate you being here joining us for this quick podcast, which turned into 40 minutes, which is quite fitting for us. Um, But, but there's a lot to talk about, a lot to break down and we're going to try to continue to do that over the coming days. So again, thanks for being here. Be well, be safe. Go Browns.